people pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. This patch of desert is our very own chunk of heaven. Ain't it, baby? Sure is. Let's don't ever leave. Never. Amy, wake up. Wake up. Amy. 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 You'd tell me where she was if you knew, wouldn't you? Of course. Because it's real important I talk to her. You know, I've been thinking. I'm going to make some big changes around here. Yeah. What the hell are we even doing with ourselves? What do you mean? Like right now? Right now, yesterday, tomorrow. Where is she? Hit me, man. I'm telling you shit. You, you still believe what you said about me? <laughs> what did I say? You think I got a good heart? <laughs> That's not for me to judge. That's between you and the Lord. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I'm talking with writer-director Joe Maggio, as well as writers and actors Clint Jordan and Farrell Amadeus. They are all behind the film Bliss from 2024, which is the second part of the Virgil Bliss trilogy. Part one, Virgil Bliss, came out quite a while ago. We talk about that as well as the new film, which is premiering at Slam Dance 2024. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the interview. This is not the first time that you've worked with Clinton and Farrell, correct? It's the first time I've worked with Farrell, but Clint and I worked together for years going back to 2001 when we made Virgil Bliss, which was the prequel to Bliss. But we've made uh, three films or four films together and and then clint i'm in brooklyn clint used to to live in new york and then many years ago moved to la and he's he had been working with Farrell, i think mostly around in theater stuff and when we decided that we wanted to do another film together he said we've got to bring in Farrell. but i will say it is the first time but as soon as we met as soon as we started talking about this project and hammering it out and writing it together. Really, it felt been working with Farrell for 20 years, but it is technically the first time. Now, did you always have this in mind as a trilogy or is this kind of, has it grown in your mind after you did this movie 23 years ago? That's what got <laughs> me wild for you. 
to be completely honest, no. When we made this film, it was really out of, I don't want to say desperation because I think there's negative connotations around that, but it was just this really intense desire to make a movie. And that was really all we were concerned with. And I say we because it was very much a communal effort with Clint and the other actors and our producer and everyone really just pitched in and we just, we'd been talking about making a movie and the kinds of movies we wanted to make and the kinds of movies we, for so long, for years. And then finally, we're like, we have to, we have to do this. It was right around when digital was becoming a viable format for festivals and for even theatrical. It was Dogma 95 and the late 90s. And so we just ran with it. We were not thinking trilogy. I have to be honest with you. That said, over the years, Clint has always been proponent of picking up Virgil's story because you do feel like we've abandoned Virgil, this character that we love, and we've left him in the lurch, so to speak. Clint occasionally would suggest that maybe we pick up the Virgil story. I don't know. It just never felt like the right time. And then sometime around 2020, 2021, Clint and I were talking and it just, it see, it was like, of course, why haven't we done this? And I will say, as soon as we decided to make the sequel, I knew that there, there had to be then a third one as well, because we were discussing about the sequel. There was no way we could fit it all in one movie. It felt like it would be two movies. Are you saying that this movie is your pandemic project? No, it, absolutely not. But Clint can speak to, I think Clint has a really nice perspective on this. Joe and I, we go back so far. We met on a student, graduate student film, Harlan Bosmajan's graduate student film. And Harlan is the cinematographer of the original Virgil Bliss and Bliss. So it's, a, it's the band that got back together here in a certain sense where we've all been playing gigs with everybody else. We decided, hey, the best times of our lives have been playing together. We didn't know what we were doing. We were the most enthusiastic because we were young and we were really passionate. And then as we got older, you get families, you start to have other responsibilities and your scope gets pretty broad and narrow at the same time. And you not take for granted, but in some ways you realize that the things that brought you the most joy, you're not doing. And I think the pandemic highlighted that for a lot of people, and especially myself, where I was working in the business a lot. We all were making a living. But the kind of work that really we were passionate about, we were not doing. And there was all, and just like everybody else, it's millions of excuses of why not, why we shouldn't do that because A, B, and C. But the pandemic for me was just, as I got older, it was just like I do the math and it was just an affirmation that life is short. And why not get back to the things that really bring you the real joy of your life? Because I don't know how long I'll be here. And that's the most cliched thing to say, but it's very true. And I think a lot of people made career changes and things that really were inspired by the pandemic, by that realization that, hey, I'm on this rat race. I'm in this rat race and I don't have to be. I can just get off this treadmill if I want to. And I can do something else. So Joe and I started talking to get, and our kids are getting a little older. I think that has a lot to do with it. And we were like, man, we got to get back to doing this kind of work that we were so passionate about and had been our whole lives. 
every time we talk, we have hours and hours of film and story. And just we, all of us, even today, all of us here are part of that, our people. This is what we love. We love this kind of work. So we started talking about it. What are we going to do? What kind of story should we do? We started thinking about Virgil Bliss. Where is he now? What has he been through? What have all of us? And what is, and for me personally, I just thought, I just told Joe, I said, man, I just feel the need to do something that has no irony, no time warp, black holes, strange plot twist. I want to do a straight up drama where, which is about human connection, loneliness, interaction, love. And I think I, I said, I think we all want that right now. The pandemic has made us so isolated. I feel like returning to the animal, I just need to go outside and scream. This is, I'm going crazy with the mask on every day and not being able to see other people. So I told Joe about Farrell. I've been working with Farrell, who's just incredibly brilliant. And I just was trying to think how we were going to put up a play. The pandemic came, and that's how we ended up together. You didn't call me incredibly brilliant. That's my take. I think that's a given, right? That's a given, John. That's a given. We already knew each other's brilliant. <laughs> but finding the right third for the band was not easy. <laughs> and it's like that thing where someone really inspires you and working with Beryl also was part of that inspiration because when we started working on Blackbird, just the work ethic and being really immersed in the process again, which is such a joy. And I just reignited my passion for creating and I thought hey let's take this back into what we were doing when we made the original Virgil Blitz and Joe and I made a, a number of films after that let's just do it and so I told Joe about Farrell and I said hey we should all work together because these are our people and that was what kicked off all writing together and starting this project for Blitz. Farrell what was this experience like for you being brought into this group with these two guys who already knew each other, but obviously you had worked with Clint before. It was great. It felt very natural and like family almost. We all just worked so well together and it was such a, a joy to craft the story with these two people. We all have very similar tastes, but are all just a little bit different and yeah, we get on these epic Zoom calls or these epic FaceTime calls and just talk about what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And it was such fun, imaginative play. And then we made it. And that was fun too. Was everything pretty well locked down before cameras started to roll or were you still tweaking things as you were making the movie itself? It was pretty locked, except I think what Joe, you're about to say is that the location that we found was a little bit nicer than what we had imagined. So we had to throw a line in there in the story. Oh, she got the house in the divorce. We'll be magic. <laughs> There's an old story I read in Luis Buñuel's autobiography, My Last Sigh. He talks about working with Dali, Chien and and in this short, this surreal short film that they made. And they had a deal. They, so they were writing it together and they had a deal. It, one of them said, no, I don't like that idea. They just moved on. There was no, oh no, we have to, there was no argument. And I feel like we, so we never discussed, we never had, we never talked about how our, we were going to work together or our arrangement, but really was like that. 
we are we share that we do share a very similar taste, but we come at we have obviously very different lives and different sensibilities. So everyone was bringing something slightly different, but it never felt we were having these dragged out discussions of what it should be. It was like, what about this? And if there was a sense that maybe not, we just moved on. So it was really, it was a pretty smooth communal writing process. And that's unusual because I've been in other ones where it's, you feel like you've got to go to war over every idea. And we, we just didn't, we didn't really have any of that, and, and well, which, is, which is great. I think that comes from trust. I think we all trusted each other and there was such a, a trust and a love that nobody had to, there was no resentment about like an idea dying or it just, we were all so excited about going forward that, yeah, there was just like a trust. I never felt hurt by a dropped idea. I don't think there were any dropped ideas on my part. But it was really like three kids in a playground being like, and then what happened? Then what happened? And that's like the best kind of storytelling, I think, is that sort of pure imagination. There's no storm structure. There's got to be, at this point, I feel like that can come later. But first, it's like, like. Clint, how was it revisiting a character that you in- inhabited fully all those years ago? And here you are putting that skin back on. Thought about that, especially recently now, after we've made blood. It was sad to say goodbye to Virgil when we finished. In fact, Frederick Thor Fredrickson, the Icelandic filmmaker, wanted to remake Virgil Bliss in 35 with the original cast. And we said no, right? Partially because of our stupidity and youth that we were just there <laughs> and idiotic. <laughs> but it may speak for everyone involved. But the other part was I had lived with Virgil, wasn't married, I didn't have kids, I was completely single in New York City. I was laying on the floor in Virgil clothes like for eternity with fake tattoos on and walk out of the street, people crossing the street, not wanting to, they saw me and I would forget. I mean, total Virgil regalia. There were guys when we were shooting at Virgil Bullets. We were down in St. Mark's place that Hustler thought Joe wanted to do a lot of cinema Verde stuff where also he was hidden. And I'm like, I'm going to get killed out here, man. Cause, Cause these Hustlers kept coming up thinking I was taking over their territory three quarters. <laughs> and we had a scene where Virgil tried to meet people on the street. And New York, especially in the early 90s, were not cool with that at all. <laughs> but yeah, really came to love Virgil. And I loved his almost childlike naivete. And then, all the, and then also this incredible propensity for violence, which he's trying to control, but doesn't really know how. It almost reminds me, reminded me a lot in the old days of sort of Danny in a deep blue sea or the Stanley character where you have this person who's violent but doesn't know why. I love that dichotomy, Virgil. Also, the fish out of water, he's from South, he's in New York City now trying to navigate. And I can relate because I moved to New York from North Carolina in, in 86 into the East Village, which was like being landed on, on Mars. These people are New Yorkers, was not originally. <laughs> honorary New Yorker, I'd like to say, but because uh, after 22 years, I, I did feel like a real kindred spirit. But yes, yeah, coming back to Virgil was really nice. And then the question of how you take Virgil and age him 
with all the hamstrings and shots this guy's had to the body and still have Virgil underneath. But this man who's now decades older, how has his view changed about the world and about what he can do and about what he wants to do with his life? So that was really a fun challenge. And that was something we all three worked on too when we we were constructing the story. Now, Joe, since you said this is a trilogy, I'm curious, are you going to come back in another 22 years or is this a more immediate trilogy? (laughs) With any luck, it's going to be more immediate. We've got some balls in the air and I think we'll probably pick up from where we leave off in bliss. So no, it will not be (laughs) twice. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that would be really testing fate I thought maybe you're doing a Richard Linklater or something you know yeah, exactly. yeah. we talked a little bit about the way that the character changed throughout this time but the way that you changed both Clint and Joe especially Joe having worked on all of these other films over the years how does that affect you when you come back to this same character after all this time You've had a lot of experiences in between then and now that you can bring to the table. I teach film. So sometimes I go into film professor mode. So forgive me. But I feel like every film that you make, you're remaking yourself or you're bringing yourself to it. And so if I'm still making films in 20 years, it will be like remaking Virgil Bliss in some way. And making this film, it was really interesting to revisit this story and these characters because it was like holding up, it was really a great opportunity to see everything that I've learned, all the changes that have happened in between then and now. And I do think that, I think life acts on you, the good things and the bad things. Like, And I felt very, like approaching Bliss, I felt very much an old, I don't know, an old soldier who's been kicked around a little bit and revisiting, revisiting an old story, telling it maybe slightly differently. I think my directing technique was different, Clint. I don't know. You could probably speak to that. I think back in 2001, I was very much, I was very much under the influence of like John Cassavetes. Clint and I had been in an acting group with a bunch of actors at the actor's studio. And there was a lot of talk about acting and the process. And I, I brought that into my direction and I always want, we talked a lot about characters and, and I think, I'm not saying that I think that stuff is bad. I just, I now work, I think in a kind of a shorthand and especially working with Clinton Farrell, I can do that. I don't have to get too involved. They show up with having made all their choices and to try and bring it back to your question, it's like unwrapping a time capsule, making or was like unwrapping a time capsule, making bliss. I saw I was confronted with all the, maybe the kind of director I was, and now who am I now? Farrell, had you ever played a double role before? No, but, but I've played some pretty big characters. I was once in a musical where I played Bill Gates called Nerds. It was an incredible experience. And I remember so people from that came to see me who didn't know it was me. They didn't know it was me in the part. And it was such a rush that people didn't even know that I was a woman. And that's exciting to me. I really liked playing the two parts. 
were fine. I honestly wasn't sure what to expect when you signed on the call today, just because you look so different between now and then the two roles. I was <laughs> surprised when I read that it was the same actress playing both roles. When you saw it, did you know? I, I think I knew already going in, but I was just like, really? There is, is this not a typo? Is this not something wrong mm -hmm. on IMDb? This doesn't seem right at all. All you need is a blonde wig. That's it. <laughs> what do you think from a marketing perspective? Should we tamp that down? Should we not advertise that it's the same actress? Because I, I, I love the idea that people leave the movie and, and they're like, they have no, they, they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think showing it at the end and the end credits is the perfect way to do it because you're just like, whoa, really? Because there's not a lot of freaks like me that go to the IMDb first to look up everybody and to be like, okay, what else were they in? It's been fun hearing about the people that didn't know until the end. That's what a lucky thing. Is Slam Dance your guys' premiere? Yes. This is the world premiere. Virgil Bliss premiered. It had its world premiere at Slam Dance in 2001. I'm sure you've been to Slam Dance many times in between them, and it must be nice to come home with this one as well. They, I love those guys. It, like Dan Mervish, I'm in touch with, and Peter, they're, but they're out in LA. Paul Rackman is in New York, and I see him around. And they're just, they really are the real thing. Like they, they have really remained true to their founding ethos, the sort of, by filmmakers for filmmakers and it's just i can't believe it's 30 years that they've been doing this it's really outstanding and i love the films that they program and i've been on the jury there and which is not to say that we had it easy they really put us through the ringer i didn't think that we'd gotten in with bliss Thanksgiving, usually it's around Thanksgiving, the Thursday or the Friday after Thanksgiving, you get the call. If you don't get it, it's, oh, we didn't get it. And, and it came like a week after that and, and got nothing from any sort of call and email the, the people that I knew there. And it was like, <laughs> so it was a real thrill to find out that we'll keep the streak going with the Virgil Bliss story at Slamdance. I want to add that, that Virgil Bliss is going to be, they're going to do a, the retrospective screen, uh, screening, some screenings on the online portion of the festival. So if anyone wants to see Virgil Bliss and Bliss, you can, Bliss will start online on the 22nd, I believe, of January. And I've got to find out. Virgil Bliss, but you can find Virgil Bliss in the Slam Dance online. Fantastic. Thank you so much. It was great, great talking with all of y'all. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Mike. You.